don't look at the light! I can't help it. It's so beautiful. And so we're attracted to the fire and we're burned by the fire. God is love and God is fire. Love is fire. We're burned by love because we're resistant to love. The thing in us that resists love is our ego. Well, that's what we talked about last week. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you would help us this morning to trust you. Because Lord God, we are attracted to you and yet terrified of you because we're attracted to you like bugs are attracted to a bug zapper. And so Lord Jesus, this morning, would you help us? Would you help us to have faith? In your name we pray, amen. I wore a What Would Jesus Do bracelet in a movie theater once to see if it worked. Guy's cell phone went off, one of those obnoxious rings where it's a song, and he doesn't want to answer it because the good part's coming. <laughs> then he answers the phone in the theater. What's going on? No, I'm in the movies. This is what I said verbatim. I'm not going to censor myself. Hey, buddy, get off the phone, please. <laughs> this is what he says to me. Shut up and mind your own business, asshole. Ah, now there's trouble in River City. I'm a man, not much of one, but a man. I will choke you if you are younger, smaller, and preferably white. I had my hands on his neck, and then I saw my bracelet staring right back at me. What would Jesus do? So I lit him on fire and sent him to hell. Is that, is that what Jesus would do? Because, you know, sometimes it seems like there's like two Jesuses, right? Number one, there's this Jesus that like loves the little children, Jesus that loves his enemies, Jesus that always turns the other cheek. There's good Jesus. And number two, it's like there's another Jesus, bad Jesus, mean Jesus that casts people into endless torment of fire. So what would Jesus do? Set them on fire? Maybe. Because it kind of seems like there's two kinds of fire. Number one, Pentecost fire. Remember Pentecost? It was like the undoing of the Tower of Babel. All these different people, all these different tongues from all these different nations all together and they start loving the Lord their God with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, all their strength and their neighbor as themselves. They start loving God and their neighbor when the fire falls. So number one, there's this like good fire and number two, this like bad fire. You know, Jesus talks about hell fire, literally Gehenna fire. That's the fire that burns in the valley outside the walls of Jerusalem. And that must be like the fire of judgment or maybe like the lake of, lake of fire. Well, it seems that there are like two kinds of fire and two kinds of Jesus. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So it seems like there's two kinds of God the Father. One like this. Mr. Rogers, get a picture of Mr. Rogers. And then another one, kind of like this, right? So it's like there's two opposite Jesuses, two opposite 
fathers, two opposite fires, and, and two opposite judgments. It seems that like God is two and, and not one. And, and, and it's God that we're commanded to trust. Faith, quite simply, is trust, writes Donald McCullough, president of um, San Anselmo Seminary. Faith, faith is trust. And the thing that most undermines trust is a perceived lack of integrity in the person that you're trying to trust. In other words, that they are not one, but two. I mean, children of alcoholics deal with that their their whole life, right? I mean, is good dad gonna show up or or bad dad gonna show up? Does does he love me? Does does he despise me? So do do we have a heavenly dad who, who A, is absolute love for some, absolute, unquenchable love for some through no merit of their own and be endless torment for others whom he created for the purpose of endless torment. Uh, you know, even if they choose the torment, he, he would have created them knowing that they choose it. So I mean, is he, is he that divided? Is our father love and the exact opposite of love? Is he two and not one? Could you think of, of any idea that would more greatly undermine trust than that? That would undermine trust, that would undermine faith, and we're saved by grace through faith. Duh! See? If we thought God was two and not one, if we thought God was two and not one, we might say we trust. We trust but only because we don't trust. We might honor him with our lips, but our hearts would be far from him. If we believe that God was two and not one, uh, we would say we trust him to save us, but what we'd really mean is we trust ourselves to save us from him, who's untrustworthy. We'd trust our judgment to save us from his judgment. In other words, we'd take knowledge from the tree because we didn't trust that he had already given his life upon that tree. We'd invent religion because we had no faith. Because we believed that our father was two and not one, two and not one, and therefore could not be trusted. Today, we are going to talk about hell. Is not a very nice place. Burning, searing, flames, screaming, torture for eternity. Once you are in hell, you cannot escape. You live forever in horrible pain, in burning agony. All sinners are there in misery, dying over and over and over. If you be cast down into this black bog of stench, then woe is thou, for Satan has made it the most miserable place in the universe. So it seems that hell is this fiery place like under the earth where Satan's throwing a party and we all suffer forever without end. 
a place of everlasting agony and pain. Hell awaits all sinners and all who do not accept Christ. Children in this town have not been attending Sunday school after Mass, and adults have not been coming to confession. If this does not change, I promise you, you will all be going to the black pit of Satan's world. That is all. Peace be with you. Well, that was quite an uplifting sermon. Yeah. Mom, we're staying for Sunday school. What? We have to go to Sunday school so we don't burn. Yeah, I'll see you later, man. You see, fear of, fear of a hell like that is a good way to get people to do what you want them to do. But not a good way to get people to trust God. It's, it's a good way to get them to trust you to save them from God but not a good way to get them to trust God for salvation. <laughs> uh, kids, uh... You're a sinner! You're doing unnatural things in the house of God! Oh, uh, uh, oh, forgive me, Heavenly Father! I've sinned against you! Uh, this guy is so gonna burn! Mrs. Donovan is a temptress from hell! <laughs> Dude, if this guy's going to hell, who's gonna save us? Well, it looks like we're gonna have to save Timmy, Kyle, and everyone else in this town from the angry hand of God ourselves! And so the boys in South Park invent religion. Their own religion to save themselves from God. Who might just set them on fire and send them to hell. So WWJD, what would Jesus do? What does God do? And, and can, can we trust him? You know, some people will ask me, why does this topic matter? Well, nothing matters more than trust in who God is. Nothing matters more than faith in grace. Faith in grace walks through fire. It is fire. Daniel 3, chapter 3, the Jews are in exile in Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has constructed an idol. It's 100 feet high and plated with gold. It's either an image of himself or an image of his God. Whatever it is, it's clearly tied to his ego. People from all over the world are gathered on the plains of Babylon as if uh, we're constructing the Tower of Babel once again. Nebuchadnezzar has invented a religion. And listen to how he gets people to do what he wants. Chapter three, verse four, and the herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. He threatens them with a, with a lake of fire. And, and make no mistake, there is, there is a lake of fire. But, but Nebuchadnezzar, I don't think he has any idea what that fire is. Well, he threatens all w w with fire. And, and check it out, it, it, it works. <laughs> Except for three young Jewish men who have faith. Verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans, Babylonians, came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They go to King Nebuchadnezzar and they recite the law in great detail. And then they say, verse 12, there, there are certain Jews, King Nebuchadnezzar, 
whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They don't pay attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. And so they brought these three men before the king. Now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were young Jewish men who had been appointed over uh, governing affairs of Babylon at the request of their friend Daniel. In the last chapter, Daniel interprets a dream for Nebuchadnezzar uh, that none of the wise men could interpret. Nebuchadnezzar knows it's true for Daniel tells him the dream before the king tells Daniel. It's this dream of this giant image, this great statue representing the empires of the world, and Babylon is the golden head. And then in the dream, there is a rock hewn by no human hand that falls from heaven, crashes into the image, uh, growing into an endless kingdom that fills the entire earth. Well, well, now Nebuchadnezzar has actually built a giant golden image. And it appears that the rock is already striking that image striking his image in the form of relentless faith in three young Jewish men. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? No, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. The, the word means hot, hot fury, as if the faith of these young men was literally burning King Nebuchadnezzar's ego. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, changed for they had, they had faith. And, and faith, you know, is, the, is trust in, in the character of a person, they even say it. He is able and he will deliver, but even if he isn't able, even if he doesn't choose to deliver, we will worship him. We will trust him. Why? He's good, he's good. But check this out, they didn't have knowledge of good. <laughs> they trusted that he is good. They didn't know exactly what he, he would do, but they had faith in who he is. You know, folks often come to church because they want knowledge so that they won't need faith. Folks like, like me want the knowledge of God so they can control God and, and don't have to trust God. 
Most folks come to church to take the knowledge of good and evil and religion is happy to oblige and most pastors think it's their job description to oblige and so the pastor will tell you something like, uh, you know, what's good and what's evil and then explain why. Studies indicate that divorce has a poor effect upon children and so that's pretty good advice that God gives you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And medical science has proven that fornication can lead to venereal disease and all sorts of other issues, so don't fornicate. We have judged that God's advice is good advice. And so you really ought to take this advice, take this knowledge, and make yourself like God in his image so he'll love you and not set you on fire and send you to hell. See, most folks come to church to get the knowledge of good and evil in order to save themselves from God who really can't be trusted. <laughs> and they call that faith. If you have faith, real faith, real faith in someone, you see, you trust that someone. And you don't need stuff explained. If they say don't lie, don't murder, don't fornicate, don't divorce, forgive everyone, love everyone, pick up a cross and come follow me. You don't need it explained. You trust their advice because you trust their character and that's called faith. People come though for the knowledge of good and evil, I think an awful lot, that, that, that's, and, and I'm a people. We come for the knowledge of good and evil but what God gives us is the testimony of grace because that's how we have faith. Faith is a gift. Faith is also a sacrifice. Faith is a sacrifice, a sacrifice of your knowledge. Now that's not illogical. In fact, it can be highly logical. Little children do it all the time. Uh, faith is a sacrifice. You sacrifice your judgment to another's judgment. You sacrifice your knowledge of the good to another's knowledge of the good because you trust that they are good. In other words, you sacrifice your ego. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego literally presented themselves as living sacrifices to be received by fire. Faith is a sacrifice. And faith is a, is a miracle. Faith comes from beyond you as a gift given to you. Not, not knowledge you take, but a testimony that you receive. You come to trust a person when you encounter a person. That's how you come to trust a person. When you encounter a person in a situation which reveals their character, which reveals that they will remain one even though the entire world be demanding that they become two. A situation which reveals they will be faithful even if everyone else becomes faithless. A situation which reveals that they will love when the entire world is consumed with rage. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. Seven times. So this isn't just like Nebuchadnezzar's fire. This is holy fire. This is God's fire. Seven is God's number. Seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace, this, this giant kiln that the Babylonians would use. Then these men were bound. They were bound, Shadrach, Menshik, and Abednego, in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's orders were urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men. The men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego killed them. But you see, these fellows, this is interesting, these fellows aren't endlessly tormented. They're killed, consumed, destroyed. You know, Sodom suffered the punishment of destruction by eternal fire. It was consumed. I mean, Sodom's not still burning. The fire is eternal, but the pain is temporal. And after Sodom is destroyed, Ezekiel 16, God promises to make Sodom new, along with Jerusalem and Samaria, destroyed, made new, and filled with glory. Fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, uh, true, O king. And he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. That's a miracle. Faith is a miracle. Fourth man in the fire, miracle. And Nebuchadnezzar says he looks like a, a god, a, a, a son of God. The angel of Yahweh, you know, is referred to as God and as man, a God-man. Throughout the Old Testament, he appears in fire. And, you know, Jesus appears as fire, as a man on fire. Uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, we talked about that last week, on the Mount of Transfiguration, remember, on the road to Damascus in front of Paul and throughout the book of, of the Revelation, he appears to John in the Revelation. John falls down as if, as if dead. He's the first man, Jesus is the first man fully on fire and our God is fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, says Nebuchadnezzar, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out from the fire. They came out from the fire and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the body of those men. Remember the bug zapper? Remember my car battery and the jumper cables from, from last week? Maybe these guys weren't burned by the fire because they weren't resistant to the fire. Maybe hey, they, they, they had faith, they had trust in the fire. Or perhaps faith in the man of fire. Or perhaps faith through the man of fire, the fourth man in the fire, faith in the fire, and so what did they do? They sacrificed their ego to the fire. No longer burned by the fire, but at home in the fire. Our God is fire, <laughs> and, and our God is love. 
The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did you get that? The king said that. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, trusted in him, and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. And, and here's an interesting question. Were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saved from the fire? Or was it more like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved by the fire? Well, they, they, they were saved by the fire and through the fire. The same fire that consumed the guards. And this is my point. There was one fire, one fire. Two effects and one fire. I mean, there wasn't like an evil fire and a good fire. There wasn't uh, Satan's fire and God's fire, consuming fire and a, sa and a saving fire. There was, there was just one fire, two effects. One fire, two kinds of people. Faithful people and faithless people. But one fire. I've been chewing on this for like 15 years. I mean, a lot. And, and in all the Bible, I, I think there's really only one fire. And it doesn't belong to Satan. And he doesn't party there. Well, people suffer there. Maybe we'll party there and he'll suffer. But one fire. Scripture tells us that God is a fire, that his word is like fire, that his breath, his spirit is fire. One day all creation created with his breath, with fire, will be flooded with fire, filled with that fire, one fire. In Genesis, it appears to Abraham as a fire, a flaming pot, remember? And it's his fire that consumes Sodom. In Exodus, he is the fire and his angel appears in fire. In Leviticus, he consumes the sacrifices with fire, eternal fire that comes down from heaven. He judges with fire. He answers Elijah and David uh, with fire. He's called the God who answers with fire. Don't you think Satan wants to convince you that he controls that fire, but it's God's fire. In Kings and Chronicles, he fills the temple with fire. Isaiah says Israel will walk through fire and not be burnt, Isaiah 43. And yet their bodies are burned in the valley of Gehenna, Isaiah 66. Remember, they all come out and look on their bodies burning in Gehenna. And yet Gehenna is set ablaze by the breath of God like a stream of brimstone it is kindled. Isaiah 30 verse 33. Gehenna kindled by the breath of God. Uh, throughout the prophets God appears as fire. Malachi says the Messiah will be like a refiner's fire. John the Baptist says he'll baptize with fire. In Luke Jesus says he came to cast fire on the earth and how he is constrained until it is kindled. I think it was kindled at the cross and it began to fall at Pentecost. Remember at Pentecost cost. The church is filled with fire. It's like the undoing of the Tower of, the ba of Babel. People of all nations start praising God filled with fire, his spirit. And yet in 40 years, as Jesus said, Jerusalem is consumed by fire. And yet it's God's judgment, God's fire. I think it's one fire. St. Paul writes that when you are kind to your enemies, you burn them. <laughs> Remember? With fire. And the revelation is full of fire.
I think it's all, it's all God's fire. Jesus is fire, his blood is fire, God's judgment is fire. Even when the, the beast from the land calls down fire, which remember is like a lion's sign, he has to get permission. From who? Well, from God. And in the Revelation, there is like this lake of fire. Hell itself, Hades, chapter 20, is thrown into the lake of fire. Hell is thrown into the lake of fire and death is no more. It's the death of death, the second death. It's called the second death, the lake of fire and brimstone. You know, in the Old Testament, brimstone comes from the mouth of God, like a word. In the New Testament, the Greek word for brimstone is theon. It comes from the Greek word theos, which means God, theon, from theos. Theos speaks theon like a word. Theon can even be translated as a substantive adjective, meaning divinity or divine substance. It's the lake of fire and divinity, or fire that is divinity. God is fire, God is love, God is one. God is light, God is truth, God is life, God is grace. Can you think of any more severe punishment for the prince of darkness than to be drowned in a sea of eternal light? Can you think of any worse punishment for the father of lies than to be immersed in a sea of eternal truth? Can you think of any worse punishment for the accuser, the king of shame, than to drown in a sea of grace? Can you think of any worse punishment for death itself than to die in a lake of eternal life? Any worse punishment for sin? You know, sin is, is, is faithlessness. Don't identify with your sin. <laughs> Can you think of any worse punishment for, for sin? Sin is faithlessness than uh, this sea, because uh, the sea is faithfulness. Faithfulness, faithlessness is, is destroyed in the sea of faithfulness, and the sea is fed by a river of blood that flows from a cross that is a throne. Revelation 15, John sees seven angels with seven bulls of wrath. And I think the revelation makes it pretty clear that the bowls are filled with blood. And that blood is fire. And it comes from that lamb standing on the throne. Revelation 15, 1, John hears an angel cry, with these, with these the wrath of God is finished. Did you get that? That means wrath has a purpose. That means it comes to an end. That means it has a job to do. With these, the wrath of God is finished, and I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered standing beside the sea of glass, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty, for you alone are holy. All nations shall come and worship you. One morning several years ago, before 
we preached the revelation at church and I, I wrote a book on it. My wife, she woke me up early and she said, Peter, I just had a vision. That was kind of a new thing for her at the time. She said, I saw the sun come out from behind these dark clouds uh, and before that, immediately before that, Peter, I had the most amazing and vivid dream. I saw thousands of people, thousands of people descending this long staircase and they were like, they were like the living dead and all the way down the staircase there were like demons that were harassing them but these people hardly even flinched they were they were used to being dead and, and then I saw this woman she like wasn't dead her eyes were were alive and she kept saying over and over I'm not supposed to be here I wasn't meant for here I'm not supposed to be here and and she said at the bottom of the staircase there was like this beast with eight arms and it would take the people and it would throw these living dead people into the lake of fire and they would be consumed they would be consumed but when the beast threw this woman in the lake of fire well, she wasn't consumed. In fact, she started floating up, protesting, which infuriated the beast. He kept trying to push her down in the fire and she kept protesting, popping up and saying, I'm not supposed to be here, I'm not supposed to be here. And she said, as I watched this, the woman gradually floated out of the reach of the beast. And, and then the, the vision like shifted. As she floated away, the picture shifted and this lake, this sea, it turned into a sea of like cool, clear water, like a, like a sea of glass. The shore was just lush with vegetation and, and then I saw him. I saw him sitting on the shore of that sea. I saw Jesus and he reached down and he pulled that woman up out of the water and she stood him right next to him and Peter, she was absolutely gorgeous. She was spun gold. And I remember Susan said, I don't even know what spun gold is but that's what she was. And Jesus leaned over to her and he said, sweetheart, you were meant for here. And then Susan said to me, she said, Peter, what was that? Who was that woman? I said, honey, I think, I think you just saw Revelation chapter 15. And that woman is us. The bride of Christ, the mother of the living, the church of Jesus the Christ. See, if we die with Christ and rise with Christ, the second death won't hurt us. Oh, for now, I'm just saying, maybe there really is one fire, one judgment, one God, one Jesus. Maybe God is one, and we are two. You see, I, I, I think I assume that I'm the judge. So I assume that I am one and then I judge God as two. But maybe God is one. And I am two. And now I know some of you may be a little bit stressed because you're thinking to yourself, Okay, but back to that, that picture again. <laughs> Am I Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I, I, I'm, I'm one of those good guys, or, or am I one of those guards that gets consumed by the fire? Am I that lady of spun gold, or, or, or one of the living dead? Well, hmm, maybe you're both. I mean, maybe you have an old man 
and a new man. Maybe you have a vessel of wrath and a vessel of of mercy. I mean, maybe you have a body of flesh that must be consumed, that will be destroyed because flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Maybe you have a body of flesh and it contains the spirit of God. And maybe you have a body of sin containing a seed of faith, indestructible seed, which is the very life of Jesus the Christ. You know, in Matthew 25, Jesus describes the judgment. He says that he'll come and sit on his glorious throne and he'll divide the people. Sheep on his right, goats on his left, and sheep inherit eternal life. Goats go into the eternal fire. And he tells us how you can tell whether a person is a sheep or a goat. The sheep are people that at least once loved another person. I was sick and you came and you visited me, says the Christ seated on the throne. The goats are people that at least once neglected to love another person. I was sick and you didn't visit me, says Christ seated on his throne. It's very clear. So how many of you are sheep? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, if you've ever visited a person sick, okay, you're a sheep. Go ahead, raise your hand. I want, the pastor needs to see who the sheep are. Okay, then you can put them down. If you ever neglected to visit a person that was sick, you're a goat. So go ahead and, and raise your See? We're both. We're not one, we're two. And God is not two, God is one, and he's the one sitting on the throne, he's the judge. Well, Jesus tells a story in Matthew 25, leaving everyone, you know, cut in two, crying out, oh, God save me, yes, Yeshua. Next verse, Matthew 26, verse one, he tells them that he's the lamb, the Passover lamb. Now, the Passover lamb could be taken from the sheep or the goats, Jesus is the sheep. He's the spotless offering. Faith in you is Christ Jesus in you, the offering that God wants. He's the sheep and he's the goat. He's the sin offering that bears our sin. He's the scapegoat that carries it uh, out into the, to the wilderness or Azal or however you say it, the, the wilderness, the Dead Sea, the, the one that bears your, your sin to destruction. He's the, the, the fulfillment of all those sacrifices, the sheep and the goat. He's the lamb sacrificed for the sin of the world and enthroned upon a cross. When we come to the cross, we come to judgment. And when we come to Jesus, we come to the fire, eternal fire and eternal life. The fire destroys my old man, and his life is my new man. The fire consumes my ego and frees me, unbound, frees me to love. The fire devours faithlessness and is faithfulness. The fire consumes my flesh and becomes my spirit. The fire kills me and raises me from the dead. The fire frees me from the prison of myself. Saves me from my sin. The fire is Christ himself. His blood, his life is fire. At, At the cross, I die to myself and the second death won't hurt me. At the cross, God makes me one, even as he is one. 
For at the cross I see that God is one. Judgment and mercy are one. God is grace. At the cross, God reveals his character. He is one. Jesus said this is the greatest commandment. This is the greatest commandment. Mark 12, hear, imperative tense, hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. That's imperative tense, that's the command. Hear, and you will love the indicative tense. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord, and you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all. In other words, you won't be divided, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. When you see that God is one, you will be one in his image. We're saved when we see that God is one. When we see Jesus Christ and him crucified. And yet to run from Jesus Christ and him crucified is to hide in death, a living death. Terrified of the second death, the death of death in the lake of fire. Well, anyway, the Babylonian guards were consumed by fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved by the same fire. And check this out. Nebuchadnezzar was both. Consumed by the fire and saved by the same fire. Verse 28. He blesses the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And by the end of the next chapter, and you should read it, it's so cool, after his ego has been destroyed. I mean, it's like he goes insane, maybe partly from the fire. After his ego has been destroyed, and right before he dies, King Nebuchadnezzar writes one of the most beautiful psalms of faith that's ever been written. And so just think of it. He thought he conquered the God of Israel. And all that time, the God of Israel was conquering him. He thought that he judged with fire. And it turns out the fire judged him. His ego was consumed by fire, and he was saved by fire, the same fire. And I bet that's because he saw the God-man in the fire. The God-man reveals that our God can be trusted that our Father can be trusted, for our Father is one. When my son was about three years old, he asked me not to say his name, because I have two sons, and they'll leave it a little bit vague. <laughs> when he was about three, a man came to our, our home to f fix the furnace, and. My son, he just was stuck by my side all the time. He was always with me. And so the three of us descended down into the basement of our home together to look at the furnace. And I remember the furnace guy had pulled the cover off the furnace and he was checking those white hot flames, fiddling with stuff. I was asking about the bill, of course, and that kind of thing. When I feel this little tug on my shirt and I look down and I see my three-year-old son just standing there with these huge eyes. And, and he said, Daddy, what's that? I said, oh, buddy, those are, that's, those are the flames that, that, you know, heat the water that rises in our house so we can have hot water and, and uh, wash your hands, take a bath, all that kind of stuff. They heat the water in the house. Now, that was a lie. I didn't realize it at the time. I just wasn't thinking. It was the furnace, not the water heater, but that didn't matter. He, he believed me. 
Over the next few days, we noticed that our son started having accidents. And I mean, he'd been really doing well with the whole potty training thing, wetting himself, um, uh, pooing his, his pants, and then he wouldn't take a bath. And I remember finally I said, buddy, what is, what's going on? And he just booted it out. The flames will come up and burn me! And I said, oh, bud, <laughs> no, you, you don't understand. You see, it heats the water that goes through, and, and those are even different flames. I tried to explain it, but it still didn't do, do any good. He was terrorized, imprisoned, to a lie. My, my mom even came over, put her hand in the toilet and said, look, I'm okay, it's fine. She's a brave, brave, brave woman, but, mm, but he was still imprisoned. Imprisoned in a lie, believing the lie. And so he would hide in shame. He would hide his shame, the evidence of our fallen nature, poop. Well, I, I adore my son. And actually, I didn't really mind changing his diapers. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. But you see, I really wanted him to trust me. And I really wanted him to attend high school one day without poop in his pants. <laughs> so finally, Susan and I sat down, had a conversation, and we issued judgment. Th that night, when I could tell that he was loaded, and when he was hiding from me, I remember I went and I found him, and I took him by the hand, and I led him screaming and yelling all the way down the hall, and yes, I held him against the flaming toilet of fire. <laughs> he wasn't burned by physical flames, but he did feel burned by me. And I felt burned by me, because... He felt burned by me. I mean, his pain is my pain. I participate in his pain. Well, few times in my life have I witnessed such expressions of abject terror, but I held him there to that toilet of flaming death until the deed was done. In other words, I burned his judgment with my judgment. Karl Barth wrote, God will burn us right down to faith. Scripture says our faith is tested like gold, gold that's refined by fire. And because I love him so, I suffered that fire with him. I mean, I was traumatized by the time we finally accomplished our deed. Me and him together in fire. Well, so you don't worry, you just need to know he's, he's a young man now and he has remarkable toilet skills. I mean, he can just, <laughs> he can just sit there for hours um, at home in the fire in perfect peace. Well, now, imagine if someone counseled him during that time when he was three-year-old. Uh, imagine if, if someone came along and said, you know, uh, son, buddy, you, you better obey your daddy. You better fear your daddy because he will not let you live in your own poop. As long as you keep pooing your pants, your dad will come hold you against the toilet. You cannot escape his judgment. If you're 60 years old hiding in a cave somewhere in Alaska, your 87-year-old dad, he'll come, he'll find you, he'll find a toilet, and he'll hold you to it. Fear him because he loves you. And his love will never, ever, ever change. Well, now, if someone said that to my three-year-old, that'd be kind of weird, but, it, but it'd be cool. I mean, that would be good counsel. But now imagine if someone else came along, someone whose only concern was cleaning up poop, but was not at all concerned with my son's heart. Imagine that they whispered something like this in my son's ear. You better obey your daddy. You better fear your daddy. Because one day, 
his level stop. One day his patience will come to an end. One day, uh, when his patient comes to an end, if you're still pooping in your pants, he will torment you and torture you forever without end. And if you cry out for mercy, there will be no mercy for it's too late. For his mercy has come to an end and his wrath endures forever. Indeed, as we speak, son, as we speak, little boy, your father has other children. He keeps them in a shed out back and every night he tortures them to death. Then he resurrects them in the morning so he can torture them again and this will never end. Fear him for your father is not only love. He is also unlove, unforgiveness, relentless rage. Your father is not one but two. See, if someone said that to my son, oh, he might honor me with his lips, but his heart would be far, far from me. He might say, I trust. Oh, yeah, Daddy, I trust. But he'd be too terrified to trust. And all my love, all my advances to him would burn him like fire. He'd be emotionally constipated. Clean on the outside, just full of all kinds of crap on the inside. See, if someone said that to my son, I, I can't imagine anything more damaging to my son or abhorrent to me. And yet that's what we say. I think that's what Satan wants us to say. Because then we won't trust. And it's our trust that burns Satan like the hottest fire. It is the hottest fire. And we trust because we see the man in the fire. Faith is the fourth man in the fire. Faith is Christ Jesus rising within you. When the entire world is faithless, he remains faithful. When every man is two, he remains one. So what did Jesus do? Set us on fire and send us to hell? Actually, he set himself on fire and descended into our hell. And so on the darkest of night, when the entire world was faithless, the light of the world took bread and he broke it saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it all of you and do it in remembrance of me. This is the fire. And you're here to make a sacrifice. <laughs> oh, that's a bit frightening at first, isn't it? It's a sacrifice of faith. And you can make it because you see him. He's good. And so worship him. Trust him. 
Don't only stand next to the fire, be filled with the fire. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel, amen. Tell for a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup. Dark cups are wine, light cups are juice, and let's worship. For our God is one. So, Lord God, you're holy, and we surrender our judgment to your judgment. We come before your throne, and we confess to you our bad judgment. We did this, we did that, we kind of hate ourselves, we're afraid, we're filled with shame, and then you whisper your judgment in our ear. I love you, and that will never change. Lord God, we thank you for who you are and that we can trust you. For you have revealed your character, you have revealed your heart, hanging on a tree, sitting on a throne, the slaughtered lamb standing, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. And you are one. You are holy. You are love and you are fire and we are your temple and you have destined us to be filled with fire in jesus name lord god we thank you amen you know um if ever you wondered what the heck was the sermon about <laughs> it's always just one point and that is trust god because he's trustworthy and we know that because of the testimony of Jesus. Scripture says that apart from faith, it's impossible to please him. That used to always confuse me, you know, because I thought faith was like some answer to a test or something I had to figure out through critical analysis. But faith means trust. That's what it means. And I'm a dad. Some of you are mothers. I'm telling you, that's all I want from my kids is trust, that they would trust me, who I am. So uh, in the name of Jesus, trust the Lord God your Father. In other words, believe the gospel, amen. Hey there, I hope the message that you just heard or viewed helped you to believe a little more that God is better than you thought, the love of Jesus is deeper than you know, and the Spirit is everywhere working the wonders of mercy. If that's so, I'd love it if you would consider two things. Number one, ask yourself if there's someone that you know that might benefit from this message, and then uh, forward this link onto them. There are several ways that you can do that by visiting our website at thesanctuarydowntown.org. Secondly, I'd love it if you'd uh, take just a moment and uh, ask the Lord if He'd like you to contribute to this endeavor financially. 
we really can't do this except for the fact that God inspires people like you um, to give. And uh, you can do that by uh, going to the website and clicking on uh, the donate button or uh, by simply mailing a check to the Sanctuary downtown at uh, 2215 West 30th Avenue, Denver, Colorado 80211. Uh, thanks for being a part of what we're doing and God bless you.